When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. How would you like to ramp up your club's game day atmosphere? Big Screen Video is giving 10 lucky sports clubs the chance to win a $10,000 grant towards their own digital scoreboard. Register now at iCanWin.com.au slash BSV. It's time to cast off on a new adventure. This is Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Hello and welcome to Real Adventures from wherever you're listening right around the country. Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood joining you this morning to talk all things fishing, boating and the great outdoors. You can join in the conversation and follow us on our Real Adventures Facebook and Instagram pages. Redmond, good morning to good, you. Good morning, Patrick. A little bit of a whinge first up this morning. I've got oh a little bit of a whinge throughout the show. That's not like me to whinge, but footy's back. It Great. is. I had a really good weekend. It felt like I knew what day it was during the week, to tell you the honest truth. Gives a bit of structure to our week, doesn't we, it? It does. We spoke about it last weekend, and uh, you obviously got a very, very good win to start off the year, which was nice, and hopefully you get a win tonight. But Well, sort of to start off the year. Round one was, well, remember, 12 weeks ago. No, forget about that. Uh, it doesn't <laughs> count. Uh, but uh, you went missing. First half. I'm not sure if you thought you were chasing barrel tuna off Portland. I've seen someone post on Facebook. I, I like that one. Well, that's what you've been doing. How can you go missing if you start by not sort of being there? So just anyway, back to what I'm saying. <laughs> you know what's peed me off this week is the amount of people that carried on. So I'm whinging on the whinges. People are whinging about the footy and how crap it is to stand a footy. They're whinging about time. They're whinging on all this rubbish. How they just be happy that it was back? I literally, I mean, the, the boys and I sat at home. We had a great weekend. And tell you, the, I had my mates at my place literally from Thursday night to Sunday. And I actually had Kari's parents Sunday night. You're really partners. catching up for, uh, for yeah, lost time exactly, with COVID, aren't exactly. you? Exactly. <laughs> so we're making up for it. And we put a roast, uh, roast pork on the spit and we had a beautiful dinner Saturday night. But why is everyone just unhappy with everything? Why can't people just be happy? I think people aren't happy unless they're unhappy. Like you said, enjoy the fact that footy's back. Three weeks ago, we had none of this. People Four are complaining about the length of games. This is what it is for... Just shut up and let it go year. ahead. I agree with you. Uh, but Speaking of uh, letting it go, you know what I'm excited about? To just finally let it go. I, I, had, I reckon I had... I reckon I know, but I reckon I had 29 AFL players message me during the week the exact same thing. We're fishing, baby. <laughs> <laughs> We're back fishing. Fishing and surfing. Golf, I don't really care about golf. I don't play much of it. Um, but we're back finally being able to do some stuff. God, it makes a difference. Oh, are, are you allowed to socialise or anything? Are you like, allowed to have uh, people over to your house? Or we, do we still have to do this apart? Like, Do we have to... No, so this, this all remains in place, basically. Um, so, so it's unless it's people from the actual club itself. Um, and for those playing at home, Aaron and I are recording from, from separate studios. Um, yeah, you're, you're only allowed contact from those... Living with club you. people and then uh, immediate family. So, so we're, it has been are you a lot better than what it was. Are you and I allowed to fish together? Uh, that's a great question. I'm not actually sure because uh, so many people said they're ready to fish. That's a great question. I, I think it would actually have to be ticked off to be totally honest with you. But uh, on one hand, you don't 
you know, you wouldn't ever encourage someone to go out fishing by themselves in a boat. So maybe we, maybe we can claim, um, you know, the, the occupational health and safety element of it. So you're hinting that you want to go fishing this week. <laughs> well, you've been down in Portland all week. Talk uh, me through it. Yeah, I was, it was it was fantastic. As well, was pumping Wednesday, seven meters. Absolutely pumping. I got up for training in the morning. Left Monday morning at about I think it was seven, and the swell was tiny, mm. maybe nearly two foot. Yeah, if that. Yeah. Got home and it's six plus, and it, it is just pumping it, through. It uh, it was big down at Portland, but there was no wind on it on the Wednesday, which yeah. makes fishing accessible and safe. Yeah. And then on the Thursday. No swell, the swell just dropped massively, a couple of metres, just your stock standard Portland leftover swell. And uh, fortunate enough to see some great tuna, which is great to see. So many people have been fortunate enough to catch barrel bluefin in the last few weeks since we've been back fishing. So Nick Rewalt during the week, sorry to, to no? name, name drop, he, uh, he messaged me during the week. He's a, uh, certainly an avid listener of our Real Adventures show and... Generally, during the break every year, he goes away and fishes with his cousins off in Tassie, so he heads down there, and this is the first year that he hadn't done it for, for a decade because of COVID, obviously, <laughs> and jeez, uh, didn't he just miss out an absolute stomp? How, how, how big do you reckon that bluefin tuna is? That'd be 130 plus? That's a big I fish. just come through my phone now. Uh, yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, that's a big fish. That's 120, 130 kilo bluefin tuna. So where were they? Fishing off, I'm not sure where off Tassie. Oh, off Tassie though, yeah. But just this, God, the uh, Maria Island. There you go. Ten Ks. Might have um, to get Nick onto the Real Adventures guest. Yeah, we will. We've got a good guest today. We've got Simon Rinaldi from Red Hot Fishing Charters joining us. So don't go anywhere. And there's a fair bit happening around the industry at the moment, Redmond. While we're on um, sort of industry news, Queensland snapper Pearl Perch. The uh, the season's closed now. That was introduced last year with the. Uh, um, management of the you know the fishing or the fishery so that reopens midnight 16th of August and it made me think is it something that we should look at doing in Victorian waters uh, yeah I, I th- one thing I think Victorian waters is we need to so they come into port snapper come into Port Phillip Bay to obviously breed yeah but but there's, there's, there is no restrictions when it comes no. to, you know, having a... Like South Australia, for instance. Now, no, I think snow, it was November 15th, I think it was, roughly that, I think. And it was a good thing. Like, my time spent in SA, yeah, it was... At the time, it's like, oh, I just... You know, there's times when you just want to get and fish. Yep. But the excitement, when it turned on in early December, it was like people were just chafing at the bit. So, I think an enforced layoff, one, good for the fishery. I, but I'd, do you I, think it would be well-received? Not for the charter boat guys because it's such a big money maker uh, but, for all the charter boat operators in Port Phillip Bay. But maybe you leave the charter boat operators out of it and you just you call it as recreational, yeah. or is that too hard to do? Do you think? <laughs> yeah, I reckon there'll be a big storm there, <laughs> big storm brewing. But I reckon something they can do is boost the size limit up for snapper. Uh, I think I'm pretty sure 38. it's twenty. No, twenty eight. Uh, twenty eight. Yeah, sorry, 20. South Australia 30. is thirty eight. Is it? Yeah. yeah. So twenty eight centimeters for a snapper. For me, it's. Like I get a lot of that 32s, 35s offshore and throughout the year, which I reckon they're your perfect size. I, I'd like to see it around that 32 centimetres. Yep. Uh, another cycle in their uh, lifespan. So, um, yeah, I'd definitely like to see it boosted up to that 32. 30, 32 is not much bigger, but it's like you get a little pinky on your plate that's 28. It's not much food. Like it's not, and I know people will say that like for whiting, there's not much for a 20, uh, 27 centimetre whiting which the size limit here in Victoria, yeah. which it's not. And but it's a different but, species of fish. Yeah, exactly. But when you get, you're also, you're going to get, you're allowed 20 of them. So 
you can really get a good feed going with 20 of them. With Snapper, yeah. you can have 10 of them, which you can get a good feed going, but they're just a lot of people tend to eat them whole. I don't know. I reckon boost it up to 32 centimetres. But heading to freshwater, Patrick, uh, this was a couple of weeks ago. We've had such big shows, we didn't get to say this the last couple of shows, but the Murray freshwater cray season is now open. So very tight rules in this industry. So make sure you stick to the rules and regs. And the easiest way to do that, just download the VicFish app, Pat. It's literally handheld in your phone, ready to go. So it gives you all your de- all your information in detail. Um, your freshwater crays have to be between, uh, the carapace has to be between 10 and 12 centimetres long and the bag limit of two per person. And I know there's uh, hoop net requirements and you've got to have your name tags on them as well. So please check out your local tags. Uh, sorry, your local um fishing industry, whether you're coming from the New South Wales side or the Victoria side to the, to the Murray River, make sure you check where you are fishing and the rules and regs that are in place because there's strict rules on your freshwater craze. Whale season, Redmond, is well and truly here. You've seen a few whales over the last I few have. weeks. We're going to start to see those right up and down the, the eastern seaboard of Australia. A few messages for boaters out there. Yeah, just be safe. There's been a couple of incidents already and it's just kicked off the uh, whale season here in uh here in the country sorry Pat but out of Victoria there's numerous whales Portland the amount of whales that are off Portland at the moment there was one in the harbour at the boat ramp the other day (laughs) literally a massive correct me if I'm wrong I'd say it was a humpback or a southern right I don't can't remember exactly what it was it was a couple of weeks ago but a massive whale sitting around the ships they actually had to pause the ships coming in and out because this thing was just playing around in there really it was pretty cool to see Uh, but like I said there's been a couple of incidents which could kill you and like a six-metre boat, we'll put it on average, Pat. Most people out there in six, six-and-a-half-metre boats on average, small or some bigger. If you hit a whale, I don't care if you're in Titanic, it's probably going to still go down because those whales, they are humongous. They probably, are tough and strong. Probably the wrong um, example to use. Yeah, because they went down, didn't they? Yeah. yeah. Yep. It's a bit awkward right now. Maybe like a pilot boat or something like that. <laughs> No, but seriously, be smart because there was an incident. I, I am the, being serious. <laughs> there was an incident during the week. A boat did crash into a whale, and when they they were only going ten knots, and the force of the whale stopping it, stopping the boat, actually pushed them all into the window uh, window and sauna area of their boat, and they all had serious face injuries. Like I'm not laughing away. Like geez, I'm laughing like wow, like that's scary. Like so, Mate, I, that, that's happened to me. When you're driving that bike, <laughs> only when I see a barrel tuna jump on our lure. But when we, uh, I've had a near incident off Pawflet Bay heads a few years ago. I was with Robbie, and we we're just trolling. I was just looking around, and I'm not joking. In front of us, this I don't know how big this thing was, but this whale just launches out of the water. I had and and when it like coming slightly towards us on that angle, going across but towards us, and it hit the water. And I whacked the boat, had all my lures out in reverse just try and stop this thing, and the spray went completely over us. Like if I had to land on us, we potentially were dead. So, whale season's well and truly here, Patrick. Uh, Yamaha, there's been details leaked online around their upgraded Helm Master system, uh, and basically what it is, it's a digitally controlled thr- um, joystick, and we've seen these with, with many different outboard applications. Seastar has uh, their Optimus 360 system, which you can retrofit, and other individual outboard manufacturers now build their own. Um, I think they do um, borrow similar technologies from each other. Um, but what we're seeing from Yamaha's um, Hellmaster EX is single-engine applications, which is a really interesting one, Redmond, because clearly one of the biggest stresses for, for boaters at times is coming in and docking. 
and what the joystick control for some, that, for, for some, some, for some. <laughs> certainly for me, not for you. Oh, um, coming in, you know, joystick control makes it far easier. Now, this is important because um, single hand operation far easier than you know rolling around with the um, with your steering wheel. But what you actually can do with this, and what's being reported, is that you can. Um, it's backwards compatible, meaning if you've already got a Yamaha engine um, with Yamaha's digital electronics or fly-by-wire throttle system um, and it's DEC equipped power plant, it means you can actually retrofit it to your existing So you can go back in time. Exactly right. So I think, you know, watch this space. It's going to be really interesting to see. What do you reckon something like that's going to be worth? Uh, Look... When it comes to boating, it stands to bring out another thousand. So, so four it's, grand. <laughs> it's going to be at least, yeah, absolutely. It's going to be expensive. Yep. Uh, during the week, I was fortunate enough to fish the whiting pattern, and we keep speaking about these whiting, and we are on slow tides at the moment, but did you see the size of the whiting? Yeah, during the week? Massive, yep. massive whiting. So I just want to say before we wrap up the segment, two more things, Patrick. Let me have two more things. If you do want to catch these whiting we're catching, now during the week there was 50, a 51 centimetre recorded from the other side of uh, Port Phillip Bay, so I'm talking Sorrento side, yep. and then I got some magnificent fish. I don't measure my fish very often, and I still didn't the other night, but every fish is well over 40 centimetres, pushing that 50 centimetre mark. I'm going to review today burly cages because we are... Uh, we are fishing in such tidal areas. So we need these lead cages, but we need to add lead to them. So don't go anywhere if you're interested in how to use your burly cage efficiently down in Red's review. But also, understand your tides. I was out there during the week and it was blowing, I think it was on the Monday night and the Tuesday I fished, and it was blowing 20 plus knots from the northwest. You actually rang me on the way to train. You said, oh, surely you're not fishing today. I'm like, no, I actually am. I'm heading out at three o'clock. And you're like, what? And I said... It's going to be beautiful. I'm fishing Queenscliff on a northwesterly wind with an incoming tide. So what happens is as that wind shapes up to be, sorry, as the tide shapes up, so it goes from the out, outgoing to the incoming, and as it shapes up with the tide getting faster and faster, it actually becomes flatter and flatter when you're in a protected area. We literally, and, and to, how, I don't know if you noticed at training, it was actually so warm at the start of the week. I think it was 18, 19 degrees outside at mm. the start of the week, but I had just my jumper on. I wasn't cold with my jacket that I've been fishing in the past few weeks. So getting your tides right and your wind right, you're going to catch these big winter whiting. Wayne Blake last week headed out into the ocean and he got 50 centimetre whiting out there. I think he got nearly a dozen or a bit more than a dozen with Craig. They filmed it all for Soul Guide. And that was in the ocean. And they're the same fish that are coming into the bottom of the heads as well. So you can fish in the ocean for these big fish. I know your old man, Pat, out of Mogs down that way uh, in the past has caught some magnificent ocean whiting. You and I have caught some big ones in Apollo Bay also that time. We did a bit of filming for Dometic. We got some really quality whiting. So right now in winter... If you want the biggest whiting, you're going to catch them. And speaking of Apollo Bay, they've just shut down the service station as well in Apollo Bay. So if you are wanting to go chase a barrel tuna or some school sharks, make sure you fuel up before you enter Apollo Bay. There's a couple on the way for those traveling for those traveling from Melbourne, Portland. If you're traveling, you're probably not going to travel past Portland with the fishery at the moment. But if you're coming from that way, there's a few on the highway to get before you head down through forest and down towards Apollo Bay where there is no fuel station. So be smart and make sure you fuel up. It's going to make things hard, Pat, for people trying to fish a couple of days down there, that's for sure. You're listening to the voice of Aaron Habgood, one of Victoria's premier anglers. This is Real Adventures. You can join in the conversation at Real Adventures Show on Instagram and also Facebook. Real exciting show coming your yep. way this morning. Plenty more coming after the break. This is Real Adventures. 
You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's time for the Social Club where we answer your questions from social media. If you want to join in the conversation and you've got a question for Aaron or I, make sure you shoot it into our Real Adventures social media pages. You can find us on Facebook as well as Instagram and Twitter. The first question, Redmond, is from Hunter. What size sinkers do you have ready to go, Red, when you are fishing for whiting in the South Port Phillip Bay? South of Port Phillip Bay. Key word there, South, Patrick. Much different to anywhere else in Port Phillip Bay. Yep. Tidal. And tidal's... I love tide. It's just it's the easiest way to find it for me to find, to work fish out. So well, everywhere has tide in there, but you're talking about real solid yeah. water movement through it. Yeah, that's right. And the best way to monitor this is head to the bomb.gov.au website and uh, jump onto the tides on there and hit the rip, and it will give you the exact tidal flow. And you'll start to understand uh, the lead up to the moons and how tides work, the strength of tides. So. If you are interested in that, make sure you study them leading up to moons. You'll see how it works. We've got the new moon either just gone by or just, I think it might even be today, to be honest with you. But tides were slower at the start of the week. Hence, the fishing was very good on the whiting, but the tide was slower. Therefore, the rubbish fish, so your leather jackets, your bycatch, they're much, they're, they're so much easier for them to swim throughout the tide on the slower tides to get to your baits, where on your big tides, they tend to come on the start of the tide, and then as the tide gets too strong for them, then they'll leave. And the whiting will still hang in there because they're such a strong fish. Same as when you venture into the end of a tide as well, one of those big tides. You'll find that once the tide starts to slow, those rubbish fish, your leatheries, your parodies, when you are fishing south Port Phillip Bay, they will come in again as the tide slows. So those slower tides can be hard to fish, hence during the week. I didn't have a red hot bite. Like last week, I know Cam White and myself fished, and we landed 38 minutes it took us to get 40 whiting and I don't even reckon it was that long he picked me up at 5 to 2 so we drove about 10 minutes to where we were fishing so it was probably less than 38 minutes but the time was on but we had to um, we got some beautiful fish there and they were in the big tides so that once those tides kicked in there was no rubbish fish to contend with once our baits hit the bottom it was basically a whiting now obviously you know this because you've fished the waters for such a long period of time for those that aren't really experienced in fishing in Portfield Bay particularly we're talking south Port Phillip Bay yep. at the moment. The research that goes into actually finding, you, you spoke about going on to bomb. Um, it's not just rock up and go out and fish. No. You need to put a bit of time into it. Everywhere I fish is a reason, or there's a reason why I'm going to that area. Yep. Whether it's your moon, your tide, your wind, whatever it is. Number one rule, Pat, and I spoke about this in the start of the show, is having the wind and tide in the same direction, especially through winter. It is bloody freezing out there if you don't have the wind and tide together. It is so cold that it's so hard to get motivated to go. You get the wind and tide together, you sit perfectly. Wind's on your back. A lot of people have cabins or something. Sitting behind the windscreen. Yeah, that's right. You get protected and you stay warm. Where if you have wind and tide together, not only does your boat swing against the wind, but it's in your face and it's just freezing. Uh, so everywhere you fish has a reason. That's the starting point that I have. Then your tidal flow. If they're really slow tides, I'll end up fishing 10 metres sometimes, 14 metres deep to try and find tide where these fish are going to sit and the rubbish fish aren't and aren't going to come out of their reefs to feed like they do when there's such small tides. The sinkers you're going to use, as the question stated, I got a bit carried away. I always have, to down south Port Phillip Bay, Port Phillip Bay I start with a two ounce, but I'll always have up to five. Now, the the long weekend that went by a couple of weekends ago, I fished with Daniel and Sammy Goodwin, and we got some beautiful whiting in those big tides. Didn't quite bag. We actually ran out of light, but we got there a bit late because we were offshore chasing gummies. I was using five-ounce sinkers for whiting. 
five ounce. People will go, geez, that's too heavy, blah, blah, blah. If you don't have that, you don't hold the bottom. You're not, and you're not going to catch fish because where, where do whiting feed? Along the bottom. Their, their, their structure of their, draw, uh, their jaw, the way they've designed a fish, is they actually sit upright. So their head sits facing the, bot, the ground with the shape of their mouth and their tails sit upright. So they're, they're cruising the bottom looking for any crustacean they can find, sandworms, bass yabbies, whatever it is. So it's about getting your bait to where the fish is and the only way of doing that is having your sinker holding the bottom. So you, uh, on the start of the week, I was using, with those slow tides, I was using a two-ounce two sinker I was using where... Last the week before, I was using a five ounce. So have two to five ounces. You're not going to go much more than five. It's nearly unfishable if you're going more than five. But just have definitely two, threes, fours, and fives, and you'll catch some awesome whiting. For more info, head to saltguide.com.au when it comes to whiting preparation. Next question is from Craig Red. Do you prefer to gaff or net those big gummies that you catch? Yeah, that's a really good question. Uh, don't gaff them. They're, why you, they're too hard. They're like an eel. You yep. gaff them, they roll off. Net, you can reach quite far with a net and let them swim into it. And, but the key with it, I run the Hook'em Nets, and they are probably one... There are other brands out there now that run deep nets, but they were sort of one of the first to do it. And they're a really deep net. So when you get that gummy in there, you can get over half its body in and grab its tail and lift yep. it in. So you need a nice deep net to catch these big gummies because... You gaff them with a you gaff them with a gaff, and they just start rolling like an eel, and you like a crocodile even, and they roll off the gaffs, and you can lose them. I was going to say they wrap up in that line, and then and they, they also break the line, it. yep, hundred yep, percent. And also, you've got the fact that um, you got the fact that a lot of those big girls that he's talking about, your big gummies, they're all females, and I'm one to say I will keep a big girl, and I'll say it, people criticise, but I don't care. I will keep a big girl if I need it to, to eat. If it's in pup, I'll probably tend to leave it, let it, let it go a little bit more. But if you do want to let them go, you can't let them go once you put a big hole in the side of its gill, can you? So that's where the net comes in as a benefit rather than the gaff. Jerry, boys, what do you pack to <laughs> eat for a day out on the boat? Well, what, you, all you pack is caramello koalas. Yeah, well, I've, I'm going to have to just slightly you know, sharpen up on the diet given now that uh, we're back fishing. Um, <laughs> sharpen up on the diet now you're back fishing. I had a, well, I had a pie warm in the old boat. We... I'll put one in the new boat better, straight away. Yeah, there's nothing better than having a sausage roll, something warm on the boat. Now, I'm just going to go off track. We spoke about it. We had the pie warmer going the other week. Uh, be smart when you have a pie warmer on anchor because if you're not travelling, quite often you do big trips, it's quite often when you take pies out. This is with Cameron. Yeah, White. yeah, with Cam with his pie warmer. Turn, the, turn your battery off. So one of your, you turn your, sorry, your starting battery one off. Of off yeah, yeah, one of them off, so you've got it fully charged, because they do use a bit, so just a little tip. Uh, my day, so for me, on a day out on the boat to eat, it's quite, because it's so repetitive for myself, so I'm a bit unorganised, and there's no Maccas out there, so it's very hard. <laughs> it's very hard, but no, nah, I quite often... No Colonel. <laughs> no Colonel. Baker's Delight's a good friend of mine. They do the pool parts. They're always good. And I also pack it to chips. <laughs> Boating is Twisties. bad for me when it comes Oh, it's bad for me. It's yeah. why I'm... Look at this. Bloody big gut over here, Patrick. <laughs> uh, I don't know what to answer that. I just eat rubbish. <laughs> All right, that wraps up the social club. If you've got a question for Aaron or I, make sure you send it into our social media pages at Real Adventures on Instagram and Facebook. It's now time for our dream boating destinations. If you've got a dream boating destination you'd like Aaron and I to cover, make sure you're sending in to us our destination this morning. Central Highlands, Tasmania. Have you been there? I have actually, yeah. Have you really? I haven't and actually one place I do want to go. It's about 40 minutes from Launceston and yes. roughly three hours from Hobart and you're 
let's be honest, you're going to experience some of the most pristine lakes, creeks and streams that you're ever going to experience. Uh, I've only seen pictures and I know people are good at editing, but I don't even reckon these need editing. But you're also going to experience some of the best fly fishing that there is in the Southern Hemisphere, aren't you? And there's some wonderful lodges up there as well. Yeah, some fantastic lodges. You've got the Rainbow Lodge, which is the uh, Rainbow Lodge guided fly fishing, which is really good to get a guide up there, Pat. There's nothing better than getting a guide when you are up in the highlands. And I think, it's, especially if you, you are interested in chasing trout, and particularly fly fishing, the the, the tips and techniques and the, the nuances between the different locations that you actually fish, they can be really subtle, but it's the difference between having a great day out fishing and freezing your ass off all day and not catching a fish. So, you know, how I've always sort of spent my time when I've fly fished in different locations, whether it's Tassie or New Zealand in particular, the first sort of day I'm there, I've always tried to book a, a, um, a guide because they'll take you through it. They'll show you the whether it's nymphs or whatever it is in terms of the fly and the technique used to, to catch them. You know, you question them and around time of day, um, what they had been feeding on, retrieval techniques, all that sort of thing, dry fly, wet fly. Um, and then for the next couple of days, you save your pennies because you've spent it already. You, it'll, you'll just enjoy it so much more. And not only that, you'll learn what's... What you said, like what's working, but you'll, you can't just go to one river and hope to catch trout in it. They'll know which one fishes the best that time of the day. You might travel in a boat up there, for example, from one side of the lake early morning to the other because the wind, certain winds come in and that's what the fish feed on best. And that comes back down to even Port Phillip Bay where I do most of my work. You know where to be at the right place at the right time in that area. So hiring someone that does the guides, whether you're saltwater fishing, freshwater fishing, I think... With even a charter boat, Pat is just as good as a guide. So these are, guides are a little bit different at times. They're, the word guide can be thrown around in all different aspects. But someone that knows the area is professional. You can always go to a tackle store. They're always great to chop you out a little bit, Pat. But for your first day, like you said before, getting a guide on a boat or to take you land based, whatever it is, fly fishing, saltwater. I think it's really, really important. Just want to go through. Um, places to stay again just to yep. rehash that the Rainbow Lodge guided fly fishing that's a great one you've got the Central Highlands Lodge which is another uh, guided um, accessible uh, place to stay and you get the guide that comes with it so that's good Bronny Bay Lodge is also another one just to name a few the Central Highlands in Tasmania our dream boating destination for this morning if you've got a destination you'd like to focus on or in fact Redmond you actually own a lodge or a fishing uh, lodge in some part of Australia make sure you send us a line and would love to feature your business on our show. Plenty more Real Adventures after the break. On Real Adventures, it's time to get all aboard for Dometic Mobile Living Made Easy. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's time for All Aboard, thanks to the Dometic CIB 26 Cooler Bag. Keep food and drinks cool on your adventures. Our special guest this morning is Simon Rinaldi from Red Hot Fishing Charters. Give Simon a call on 0409 751. He's down chartering at Portland at the moment. Good morning, Simon. Good morning, guys. How are you today? I'm going good because, you know, it's nice to have a few guests on our show that actually fish and they're not your teammates or anything, Patrick, that just talk we a little bit around. We haven't that many teammates on over the years. No, but we've had a few footballers on and I don't know, I just like talking to a fisherman like Simon. He's uh, done a little bit, 30 years of experience these days, Patrick. He's been around the traps. And first of all, we'll start with his home base. Simon, how did you get into fishing and what started the charter boat journey? Well, I guess back in the younger days, uh, 
Aaron I was always fishing um, with Dad in Port Phillip Bay, chasing the snapper. He was he's one of the old school diehard snapper fishermen. That when it gets to uh, October each year, he, he's got red fever. So <laughs> I spent um, a lot of hours on the water in Port Phillip, chasing the snapper around all the time. And then through my late teenage years, I ended up buying my first boat, and I was spending more time out there than I was meant to be at work. So ended up. Um, saving pennies and, and all that sort of stuff and ended up buying uh, my first charter boat in 2001. So, What was your first charter boat? It was a little red um, six-metre Edencraft I had built by Harry Twickler up there. At, um, he was at Coral, we were building Coral, yep. boats back, back then. So, yeah, so it started with one of those and then, yeah, sort of, I don't know, I've had way too many boats to go into, but from there I just kept stepping them up and here we are today um, working sort of on the New South Wales coast and all the way down to Portland and Western Victoria there, so, yeah. So that's, that's out of the uh, custom eight-and-a-half-metre Oceaneer, so you, you are able to, to fish basically all parts of Australia, making obviously the the, um, the journey a bit easier than, than previous boats that you've had, Simon. Yes, that's correct, yeah. You know, we had the beautiful big Noosa Cat there, but that was um, a bit restricting, obviously, it couldn't be towed, so it was stuck in marinas around the coast everywhere, and... Um, I couldn't sort of hook up and, and tow to the um, hot spot overnight if, if I wanted to. So that was a bit of a, a you know, I don't know, hindrance to say, you know, I, I really like being able to hook up and go, it's going awesome at Apollo Bay and leave Portland and go to Apollo Bay or vice versa. But, um, yeah, so back being trailable again and it's a great boat, the, um, the Oceaneer, I love it. Before we get into what you're chasing right now, let's talk a little bit about what you do do. So you... Port Phillip Bay snapper. You run charters from where and how often and what do you do? Yeah, so basically from um, the start of spring, I'll probably October really, the start of October through until the end of January, we pretty much chase all of the um, the snapper in Port Phillip Bay, departing from either Patterson Lake um, public boat ramps there at Carrum and either there or Mornington, down at Mornington public boat ramp, we depart from there. And yeah, we fish it all, all around the bay chasing the snapper and then once the um, the reds sort of slow up and everything, we, we do a bit offshore there, chasing the gummies and everything out. From, um, we leave from Hastings and fish anywhere out from Phillip Island, the western entrance there, and all the way down to the back of Gunnamatta, chasing the gummies and bits and pieces out there, the odd mako shark and all that. And then um, once the summer, East Australian current pushes down to sort of Port Stephens area up in New South, we head up there and, and chase the marlin and everything. So, yeah, we keep pretty busy. Uh, speaking of keeping busy, Portland is keeping you busy at the moment. We're hearing wonderful reports from from most anglers, and you've been really successful over the last few weeks, uh, Simon. Yes, it's fishing quite well. There's um, a heap of schoolfish there. They're quite small, to be honest, at the moment. They're all, I think, anywhere from 5 to sort of 10 kilos, so they're quite small, but there's um, plenty of those to go around. And then we've got the... Um, the big barrel tuna around, which are sort of um, on all those big workups and stuff off the cliff between Bridgewater and Cape Nelson. So, yeah, there's plenty going on at the moment. There's just a few different methods we've been trying to um, put into place to get the bigger tuna to chew, and we've had really good success over the last week doing that, which has been really, really good. One thing that I've noticed, and I've been fortunate enough over the years to land a few uh, barrel tuna, but we've most of the fish that I've landed yourself and a lot of other anglers have mostly been over 100, so 100 to 150, say. Where this yeah. year, there's been a lot of that 40 to 80 in between, hasn't there? Yeah, 100% there has been. Like I saw um, on, on Facebook sort of maybe, uh, it might have been before that 
lockdown or all that sort of happened. But one of the um, Port McDonald charter boats, you had four or five fish. One day I saw a photo there, and they're all they look like they were between sort of sixty and, and eighty kilos, and that, that's a range of fish that mm. I've never caught on a lure in, in Portland in sort of twelve years of working out of Portland. I've never caught one that size. I've caught eighty-five kilo enough, or I've caught from say eight kilos, sort of around thirty kilos. That yep. that range. But the strange is not heaps of thirty-five to eighty kilo fish there, but this year it seems they've shown up. Um, I'm marking them on the sounder, and when you get the real big barrels on the sounder that are over 100 kilos, they show up so big and, and solid, whereas these other ones were not quite as solid as that, but they were definitely bigger than the school fish. So I started fishing um, with some baits the other day, and it was a no-brainer. It was instant hookup on, on baits, and they were the fish that were sort of 60 kilos, maybe 70 kilos. So I think if we change our ways a little bit, um, and fish the way we do when we're up in New South Wales, which is when there's a bit of a workup or you hook up on lures, you throw a heap of cut pilchards in the water, which we call cubes, um, and then put some live baits in or um, feed pilchards out. This size fish really seem to respond extremely well to that. It's awesome. How patient are you? Like you've spoken about the, you know, changing your technique. How patient are you before you you, you change it? Obviously, when you're seeing fish, you you want them hooking up, but you know, how stringent are you, I suppose, in one size fits all or you, are you willing to throw throw it out pretty quickly if you feel like there's another technique that's going to land fish earlier? Well, funny you say that because over the years, like, when you have such a really good workup, you, you're trawling lures through and you, if you're the first or second boat through, you hook up one of the big barrel tuners. It's, it's a no-brain. Everybody seems to know that these days. But... In the last couple of years, it seems to have been almost like the tuna are getting a little bit lure shy and heaps of boats will trawl through and not hook up. But so the other day, I had these big workups and normally I'd just trawl through and hook up on lures, but I just thought, you know, I'll just let it stay formed. I won't interrupt it. I just pulled up on the um, on the side of it and, you know, threw some cubes in the water, put baits in, and it's just absolutely straight away the fish were up and, and chewing. And I watched 100-kilo tuna swim past the back of the boat as well. Yeah, that's... So, Pretty amazing. As I said, out of the 12, this is my 12th season out of Portland. And um, look, I've done it before with divers on the schoolfish and had the tuner up and, and they've been in with the spear gun and whatnot. But um, what I experienced there on sun, Sunday was unbelievable. There's tuna swimming around the boat everywhere. Big, uh, a, um, one of the other charter boats went past. I watched a 100 plus kilo tuna come out of the water and miss one of his lures. And then when we put the bait in there, this tuna nearly hit the side of the boat and landed on the leader, and another tuna came from the back of the boat heading forward and ate the, the bait and took off. It was just unbelievable what we saw. So, yeah, I think it's one of those things. You, you just have to be patient enough until you see the exact right thing and, and then um, give it a go. Like, any, anything can happen, that's for sure. You're listening to Real Adventures. We're chatting with Simon Rinaldi from Red Hot Fishing Charters this morning, talking all things tuna fishing and Portland. Uh, Redmond, you've spent some time down there over the last few weeks. You've enjoyed it. Um, how long are you going to be there for, Simon, in terms of people being able to call up and say, yep, I'm keen to come down for a fish? Um, how long do you... Just going to add another question onto yours too, Pat, is can an uh, angler or a, a customer request a barrel charter as well? Of course, yeah. That's that's what I do a lot of from pretty much from this time of year right through until um, pretty much late October. As you know, the last sort of five years, I've had a really good run of the, the big tuna that 
start now and can continue all the way through. It's just once we get through halfway through July into August, we get that, that sort of, there's a good month there where it's pretty hard to get out on the water. It gets pretty rough and rugged, but um, yeah, we'll have the boat down there until October, that's for sure. Um, and anyone, any time can ring up and, and book a charter. We've got plenty of availability right through. And yeah, if they want to chase the schoolies, they can do that. Or if they want to um, be dedicated enough to uh, chase the big one, yeah, we can do that as well. Now, chatting off air, and I don't want to hang you on air now, Simon, but we were talking about cats v mono hulls, and you were talking about how you are are enjoying the the mono hull. Um, You've obviously fished from both. Just for those in the market for a a new boat, what have you enjoyed about being back in a mono hull or or spending more time in one compared to the cat that you obviously fished out of. If you want to run like me, Simo, right now, just hang that phone up. <laughs> yeah, I'm out of here. <laughs> the end of the conversation. Oh, look, it, I think it's um, horses for courses, boys. You know, um, get off the fence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm out of here. Don't get me wrong, that was a, a fantastic boat, but um, you know, I needed to be a, a bit more flexible and be able to hit the road and. and you know, one day be at Portland and the next day say, hang on, there's a huge good bite at Bermagui on the yellowfin. I'm, I'm heading up there. But with the, the Noosa Cat, I was unable to do that because it was um, on the moorings and everything. So, yeah, I'm happy having the mono hull. I love the mono hulls. They're, they're really good. And the big plate boats are great for um, working out of, you know, you get a nice big wide deck and um, they're not like little tinnies that can bang and crash. It's like the one I've got at the moment, you can, you know, you cruise along there and it's a, it's a great boat. They're built strong and yeah, that's that's it. I'm not saying any more about it. I'm happy with what I've got. So uh, I've just uh, hit mute on my thing there to run away. <laughs> Simon Rinaldi from Red Hot Fishing Charters, our special guest this morning. If you'd like more information uh, on Simon and his charter boat business, redhotfishingcharters.com.au or give him a call on 0409 751. We posted a picture on our Facebook and Instagram sites during the week all the information on Simon. So get in touch with him if you're interest, interested in chasing a tuna. Thanks for joining us this morning, Simon. No problem, guys. Anytime. Keep well. That was all aboard for Dometic. Dometic Mobile Living Made Easy. It's time for Red's Review. Redmond. Dangerfield, this week is lead cages. I spoke about it during the week and the importance... Not Sorry, not during the week. At the start of the show and the importance of fish using them, not just for tidal areas, but... All areas. And not only that, also offshore fishing as well. Because keeping your burley where the fish live is the ultimate thing that's going to cause so much success. Now, getting a lead cage from a tackle store isn't quite what you need to use. And it is the right um, object that I'm trying to get you to purchase. And they're about $45, Pat, from a normal tackle store. They've got a lead, lead bottom in them. Yes, you'll get away at Clifton Springs with it. You'll get away maybe at St. Leonard's with it. But as soon as you hit tidal waters, whether you're in Western Port or Queenscliff, you're not going to hold bottom with your lead cage. What's going to happen is it's going to start to float up in that current. Another just important aspect... So that, you're adding weight to it? Or? So what that you give me one second. is importance to hold it down is a narrow rope as well. So the thinnest, like builder's string even. Thin, gotcha. Just because you don't want to tie it with a boat rope because all of a sudden they'll grab and just pulls it in the water column. Yep. The other aspect is the weight. Now, I was lucky enough. Robbie got these Robbie got these circle heavy lead weights from his work, and he's a mate of mine. He works on the wharf. And these things, 
cable tie. They've got a hole in the middle of them and I can cable tie them to the bottom of my cage so I don't have them sitting actually in the cage or on the outside of the cage yep. and they've worked perfectly for me and they are so heavy I could barely even lift it up when I'm trying to pull it up but you need that weight. Another good way to do it is a dive weight. You can go to the tackle store and buy a dive weight. Now, the problem with this is, and this happened to myself on Monday night fishing with Braden, is he had my dive weight in it because he only had his lead cage. So I gave him a dive weight, a three, two of them, two, one and a half kilos. The only problem is you forget they're in there and uh, you tip it over the side and all of a sudden they're gone. So you don't have dive weights when you're emptying your burly cage. Yep. So be mindful. If you can get something on the outside, it's much more beneficial for the flow of pilchards that come out of the cage as well. It's not congested inside with sinkers that's wrapped around. You can't mash it because you can't get your mashing around the sinkers. Another really important thing is when to burly and how to burly. So these tidal waters, I like to catch a couple of fish before I burly. So getting one or two fish straight up, then burling, not just burling because the crap fish might come in straight away. Quite often in these tidal waters, you'll get a few fish, then we'll burly. Where I'm at St. Leonard's with these lead cages, I'll tend to drop it down just up off the bottom. So always off the bottom. You want it a foot off the bottom, whatever it is, but St. Leonard's, or in slower tidal areas, I tend to bring it up a bit further off the bottom to let it spread out further. And what I mean by that, the tide isn't as strong and you'll get a nice flow of burly drifting out behind the boat. So you keep it up a little bit further, which is really important. And all I use, once again, I keep saying this for burly for whiting or even offshore fishing, is just pillies in it. And don't use your hands in the cage to mash it because three days later you'll have little pilly spines in your hand, little Pus balls on your hand, they hurt and they, they really do get infected. Not bad, but just annoying. Use your gummy whacker or your whacker you would knock a tuner out with. Use that to actually mash it up and you won't have an infected hand like I do half the time when no one has it on their boat. And that wraps Red's Review. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. It's time for Red's Tip. Now, Red's Tip, I am stealing this week. I'm going to say it's my tip, but it's not really. It's Simo's tip. We had a big chat with Simo off air. We did, and he was talking about when you are um, cubing for the fish, Redmond, and you're using the pilchards once you've pulled up on them and you're seeing them underneath the boat. Any sort of abrasion that was on the pilchards, the fish just weren't taking. So if you just want to step us through the fact that you've actually got to keep that skin nice and crisp and shiny so it really does um, and is reminiscent of what, the fish are getting in a normal bait ball. If those that aren't aware of what Simo's talking about is what's happening is he's pulling up to a bait ball, he's staying away from it. So quite often when we're trawling on it, you're trawling through it and you can spook the fish down. So what he's doing is he's staying off it, drifting down with the wind, with so parking the boat, wind going downwind and drifting with the wind towards the bait school, throwing handfuls of whole pilchards into the water. You just throw handfuls into the water, trying to create a bite, uh, trying to create a feeding frenzy on these pillies. In one of those pillies or two of those pillies, quite often, there's a hook in it. So you're going to put a hook in one. But if you have a big abrasion down the side of a pilly or you've thrown it a couple of times and the head started to rip off or the gut started to open a little bit, quite often, a fish won't eat that. And Simo said during the week that that was his biggest success, was constantly changing to fresh pillies. Another good little tip, Pat, is make sure that when you do have your burly pillies and your bait pillies, keep them separate. Don't go buy two blocks of pillies and try and pull individual pillies off them to throw in the water because quite often you've rushed around, you've probably ripped them and they're not going to sink naturally. Yep. Have a separate basket full of, it might be a bag of IQF, uh, individually frozen uh, pillies that you've bought and you've kept them separate. And just one bag, and one bag of 20 pillies is probably going to get you a fish or you're, gonna, you're not going to throw 20 pillies into one ball. So you might have one or two bags of them. And then your burly pillies are separate. They're on the other side of the boat. So make sure you fish smart because... 
like Simo said to us off air, if he hadn't have done that, he wouldn't have caught fish. And he had other blokes around there doing it, and they asked him what they were doing different, and they had a chat together, and he was nearly throwing a pilly one at a time. So be smart with how you're throwing your baits into the water and even your burley and the way you set your boat up to drift towards these bait schools. That is Red's tip. For more info, head to Red's website, sockguide.com.au. It's time for the Flying Gaff, and you've got it this weekend, Redmond. How long have I got to talk, Patrick? How long? Not, not long. We're out of time. I've got 50 you, seconds? Am I using my you've timer? you got 50 seconds, yeah. I, I, I hate dumb things. Like, I, if I do dumb something dumb, I get really agitated at myself. And there's a lot of dumb things going on at the AFL. I'm being one of those winches. <laughs> I love the game. I'm so glad it's back. But you guys have to sit 1.5 metres apart before the game starts in your game, your match, your meetings after the game, don't you? We do, yes. But yet you can run outside on the ground, get thrown your head into the ground by Burgoyne, get carried sideways. Your mate can tap you on the backside. Yep. You can high-five each other with closed fists. You can tackle as much as you want, poke him in the eye if you want. You can even, I've seen a punch in the face by Jeremy Govan on the weekend. <laughs> you can touch these blokes. You're sweating all over you. You're filthy. You're dirty. Yes. You're carrying the disease. No, you aren't because you've been tested twice. <laughs> you've been tested twice that week. You do not have COVID. Why do you have to sit 1.5 apart before a game? Once you walk into those doors, it's done. So you're gaffing the AFL. I'm gaffing the AFL for stupidity. You can, once you walk into the AFL, into your stadium, it fin- I don't think you are different to us. You have a workplace. I know that when I had uh, my little fin during COVID, I didn't see the nurses 1.5 apart when they were pulling um, Finn out. So therefore, you work into your workplace. You Unfortunately, can. we are out of time, and that's quite. <laughs> there's a, there's an irony to this because you're complaining, yet you were you were angry at the complainers about the AFL at the start of the show. Thank you for tuning in. <laughs> I don't Real like Adventures stupidity, Patrick. This morning, Aaron's going fishing. Carlton, I'll see you tonight <laughs> at Kidinya Park. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 21 91.